This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Monday, 21st of November, 2022. Pretty uh, soft session on Friday uh, by some measures, uh, by others not so bad really. And we talked about the huge options expiry uh, coming into Friday. There was no uh, overall conclusion that by the end of the day, although you did see some signs of intraday volatility uh, right at the open, uh, the, the NASDAQ, for example, dropping, I can't remember how much it was, 100 plus points, almost in a heartbeat. But um, uh, despite that volatility, not a terrible drag uh, on the on the headline for the index. But overnight, we're getting a pretty soft market because once again, we have the situation in China where we have the ups and downs of these hopes on the COVID uh, policy and whether it's softening and whether we're going to see a Chinese reopening. And the latest uh, uh, headlines are in the negative direction with uh, reports of the first official deaths in months, at least one of which was in Beijing. We saw the Hang Seng down at uh, over 5% at one point overnight. So sentiment a bit weak uh, here to start the week. And I'm wondering if, the, if really uh, if these hopes for Chinese reopening really ever can happen uh, unless they just decide that uh, they're going to stop the behavior around a zero COVID policy, because clearly we're now that we're into the most sort of infectious variants of COVID, it really does require extremely strict measures to stop the spread of uh, the virus. Uh, but Peter, I don't know what you're saying. Uh, to me, to my mind, just a brief technical comment. When we see a major high posted and you go so many days without sort of any follow-through action, that that loss of momentum is uh, really starts to tilt the odds back towards a higher risk of, of a softer market from here. But uh, it's a Thanksgiving week in the U.S. I'm not sure. Traditionally, it's supposed to be a strong season for equities, is it not? Well, I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a big uh, fan of uh, these seasonality effects. Uh, if they're there, they are quite weak. So, in any case, it's not something you can trade, uh, but it's something we can talk about. And um, I think, uh, I think that you know, that that might uh, that, that that might be that might be the, the thing that could cause a seasonality effect into the year. And this is just that, as we've seen, that position has been so stretched and um, those that have been on the right side this year have made a lot of gains. So they 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 clearly on the sidelines, they, they don't have anything to hurry about uh, to you know end up with a very good PNL for the year. So whether that's seasonality or behavioral effects, I don't know. But it, that, that, that could be the case. But if you look at the sentiment, it's clearly that the the uh, the reopening uh, narrative on China has uh, has ended, as you also indicated, John. Um, we're trading lower both in in Europe and the U.S. and the Hang Seng futures were down two uh, percent, and that's off a week, as you can see on the slide two. The theme baskets when our Chinese consumer technology basket was uh, was up four point five four percent, and otherwise it was that uh, defense basket that did pretty well uh, uh, off that. Um, that loose missile that that hit a town in the southern part of uh, Poland at the border to uh, to to Ukraine, and then it was a terrible week again for uh, for bubble stocks. So just you know the the volatility and variance there is still pretty uh, pretty big uh, to say the least. Um, and I think if you look at the, if you look at Europe, Europe is the equity market has done the best um, since early October, up still twenty percent in the stocks fifty index. And uh, with the this question over the reopening and the, China's ability to reopen, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Europe finally beginning to show weakness on the equity side, also because of cold weather here in Northern Europe. That will change the situation most likely in the energy market, but also because China and Europe uh, are each other's largest uh, trading partners. So uh, if China is not shifting gear, that's on a net 
basis against expectation negative for for Europe. And then, John, we should highlight as well the the banking uh, regulators and the central bank in China is highlighting the 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 situation in the real estate market. They are urging uh, for more stabilization in financing to the sector. And you have uh, the Riks Bank and Sweden here uh, earlier this morning in in Sweden talking about these housing price uh, prices in Sweden. They're coming down fourteen percent on the peak and a three percent month on month drop in October. And uh, there's a lot of nervousness in 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 Sweden. What that will do to the country and its currency and the growth. Uh, I know the lag is probably a year uh, from weakening housing prices into employment and income, but it's it's still it's it's. Uh, I think Sweden is going to be the test ground for what will happen to an an economy. Yeah, one the, of the most the leveraged uh, real estate sector. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, one of the most leveraged uh, housing markets out there, and that is a pretty remarkable figure. That minus fourteen percent. The Reeks Bank expected this week, by the way, to hike uh, or the rate there by another seventy-five basis points. So, uh, if you're on a floating rate mortgage, we've been used to these zero rates for so long. It's it's really, uh, and and we know that here in Denmark as well. Maybe even worse situation here in Denmark, but you can't really trade the currency angle on that. Uh, yes, a very key point there, and uh, something worth watching. Also, in this, all of the smaller open economies really. Uh, Canada, uh, notoriously as well, uh, leveraged on the private side to housing, uh, but also but also Australia. And again, the the presence and the predominance of these floating rate mortgages versus the U.S., which it, where it's a much slower grind because the vast majority on 30-year mortgages. And simply, uh, if you've already got a house, you don't have to worry about it. Of course, if you're a new house shopping, it's a very different uh, situation. All right. Uh, so in the currency market, very similar to, uh, and it really does feel like the dollar is trading uh, just in lockstep with risk sentiment here. We've seen a similar situation where we saw the big uh, sell-off and we've just been kind of consolidating and and really have some more room to do so without really any trend implications yet because the, the move was so large. Uh, so something like Aussie dollar, which I put up on slide three, we'd have to work all the way back down towards uh, arguably below 65, really, uh, to suggest a reversal there. And euro dollar is something like 101. Uh, and we see still the Chinese renminbi on a trending basis quite weak versus the rest of the market. You can see the the dollar momentum readings are starting to come back up. But again, it's going to take a lot to reverse that move. A bit interesting to note uh, the scale at which uh, New Zealand, the New Zealand dollar has been strong. There's thoughts that they're going to hike potentially bigger this week. The RBNZ at their meeting, uh, let's, let's call it tomorrow night, it's Wednesday in, uh, uh, in New Zealand. Uh, but uh, yeah. It, to me, it looks uh, a bit pricey, that currency versus fundamentals versus uh, other moves and rate spreads. But uh, a, a key test for the strength of that currency in a relative sense across and versus the rest of the G10. Uh, and Ola, with this being Monday, last Friday saw the latest update to the U.S. futures data. It gives us a little bit of an insight on the currency market positioning. Um, but it's, I've, I've been really surprised the degree to which uh, there's the enthusiasm for piling into uh, the euro longs versus the the US dollar. Exactly, John, and that that move started already back in uh, late August, and has we almost see nonstop uh, buying of euro on a weekly basis since uh, that uh, culminated last week uh, when that uh, latest move up uh, in the euro and weakness of the dollar uh, led to uh, the overall dollar length be collapsing to the lowest level in seventeen months. So the market has almost uh, given up uh, any belief in in further dollar strength from here, which is quite remarkable uh, so early at, in this stage. But uh, you are absolutely right. The 
the the euro long has it's basically a hundred sixty thousand lot uh, turnaround. So twenty billion dollars, twenty billion euros worth of buying has been has been uh, coming into the market. So uh, the question is is really right now how how uh, how they respond if there is there's any further uh, euro weakness and, and uh, as as you mentioned, what kind of levels that potentially could trigger some some uh, long liquidation because there's a lot of fresh longs into the market. Another one that's also uh, driving this uh, dollar um, selling is the short covering in in, in dollar yen, and that obviously is very much tied to what's happening on the on the yield front. Yeah, and really looking at your gold chart, um, you know, it really reflects this uh, this uh, sort of adjusted expectations on yields to a degree because we have yields, you know, just kind of uh, consolidating in a range still still decently below four percent for the U.S. ten year. Really reflects the dollar move, but I you know I'm a bit curious here what happens because. I look over at copper, it's unwound more of that recent move. You've got a little copper insert there on slide five. Uh, I suppose that's the positioning there, but that's the one I'm, I'm looking at as the one closest to sort of reversing this this recent move. And I suppose a lot of that linked to the, the Chinese uh, news flow. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's also interesting because this uh, the, the, this cut report basically just takes in takes in that week where we saw uh, yield drops, we saw the dollar drop, we saw uh, uh, optimism about uh, China easing on its uh, zero tolerance uh, restrictions. Uh, so, so a lot of uh, a lot of positive news. A market respond to a lot of uh, metal friendly news that week, and that's obviously left it uh, really uh, terribly exposed now as the as some of these uh, recent uh, positive drivers reverses. And as you mentioned, we're down eight percent from the peak in in COP. Um, and that comes after a week where where there was uh, quite a strong uh, mind, uh, amount of buying uh, reached the seven uh, seven months high the the net long, but gold is really the one that's uh, that's I'll say is exposed right now because we saw uh, we saw the strongest amount of, of buying since uh, 2019 during the past two weeks uh, eighty thousand lots of uh, of fresh new longs coming into the market. Uh, they obviously uh, quite a lot of that is now underwater, and that's the I think that's the main reason for the weakness we're seeing because yields are still. Relatively uh, on the on the weak side, we got the the very inverted yield curve pointing to a recession. Uh, so so um, so the short term outlook is really one of how much further, uh, how much more long liquidation could uh, hit this market. So with that in mind, we really focus on that seventeen thirty five level, which was the the breakout level last week. And and as you can see on the chart for now, uh, the the whole run up we had has only been a a weak correction within a strong uh, downtrend. So um, we're not out of the woods yet, and the uh, ETF holdings are still being reduced on a daily basis so the longer term investors are still sitting on the fence or or, or easing easing their position so um, we're not there yet yeah and then we're certainly not there yet on a new crude oil rally we we're talking on friday with our technical strategist kim uh, kramer larson about the uh, very ugly momentum there and we did see another fall through lower on friday this uh, this news overnight certainly not helping out the, the crude oil case but it looks like we're already focusing now on these uh, on these cycle lows we are indeed. So um, I'll say we, even though it looks pretty horrible here, we're still in a, overall in a, in a pretty wide range. Uh, so we need to take out those September lows for that to, to change. But um, again, the sentiment uh, within a very short space of time has deteriorated once again. And I think the two main uh, culprits for this weakness is the inverted yield curve in the US pointing to a recession, i.e. a slowdown and potential lower demand, and the uh, the China China's battle, uh, continued battle with, with COVID. Uh, the world's two biggest consumers uh, are both potentially showing some signs of uh, weakness. Into that, we, we obviously still have the embargo on Russian oil, which will start to um, uh, uh, take barrels out of the market from uh, from January time. And I think that's also highlighting how the the curve has been flipping recently. That the, you can see the 
the the we're seeing weakness here in the in in the next few months here with the on the assumption that demand is is going to soften but then uh, there's a bit of a flip further out the curve that the uh, price actually be ticking up uh, a bit so um so we'll see um i think we're still uh, range bound I th i'm struggling to see much uh, further weakness but again uh, the market is uh, overall net long so if there is additional long liquidation that obviously can can extend the uh, the selling but uh, uh, we are in a soft patch in terms of demand we always are this time of year so uh, and it's just being extended by by the kind of weakness that we're getting from the from the uh, from the news news flow out of uh, China and the U.S. All right, uh, going back over to earnings market. Uh, sorry, equity markets. Peter, the uh, earnings calendar I'm seeing here on slide seven, heavy uh, Chinese focus, uh, but there are a few other names this week. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, but today, it's uh, there are two U.S. companies on uh, on tap. It uh, those are Zoom Video and and Dell Technologies and Zoom Video is um is a company that really did well during the pandemic because of the lockdowns and revenue growth rates have come down ever since. So the revenue growth rate was thirty five percent year a year back in uh, a year ago, <clears throat> and in today's uh, earnings release, which is for the third quarter in the fiscal year twenty three, so that's the quarter that ended in October, uh, revenue growth rate is expected to be down to four percent. So um. Growth is coming to a grinding halt here for Zoom Video, and uh, the share price, as you can see, has had a very, very bad uh, stench uh, since um, since yeah, basically early 2021. It was actually part of that group of equities that uh, that peaked out already back in February 2021. Uh, uh, just like Arc Innovation ETF with this uh, disruptive technology, the most ultra high duration stocks, and it wasn't until later in in 2021 when the broader uh, technology sector in the US uh, peaked out before we went into this year's uh, turmoil. Um, and and it is a very tough situation for a company like Zoom Video because, you know, in the end, uh, it's not that complicated uh, a technology. There are plenty of video conferences companies out there, but they, it's, a, it's a profitable company. So they, they're not in a big trouble. It's just constantly readjusting the equity valuation to the new reality. And Dell Technologies will uh, most likely be an echo of them. Um, of Intel and AMD uh, pointing towards uh, pointing at uh, slower PC uh, P, uh, PC sales and um, and also slowing of enterprise technology spending, um, which is not uh, something to to be worried about because um, you know Dell's is a very broad business. It's a, and you know growth will come back for this company. They have a huge uh, suite of different products, but it will be you know a very <clears throat> lower growth environment for sure over the next year. And they will they will talk about that. And then on Tuesday. Quasho Technology, Wednesday, Xiaomi, and then Friday, May Twin and Pridwadwa from China. Uh, big technology names and consumer names there to uh, to have in uh, to have on the uh, on the radar. I should mention also have Baidu on Tuesday as well reporting. And then on Wednesday, the only um, US company I'll be uh, I'll be tracking this week, except for today, is is Deer, uh, which is in the agricultural sector. And uh, I think that's uh, something maybe you and I can talk about on. Uh, on Thursday morning, where we've had the result, uh, because it's to me still the agricultural sector is an important one to uh, to track these uh, these years. You certainly won't be talking about it with me on Thursday morning because that's Thanksgiving and me being American, I'll be I'll be off that day. But um, I would be curious. Uh, also, that Dollar Tree uh, could be very interesting on Tuesday. We talked uh, last week about, I believe it was last week anyway, the uh, the substitution effect. So Walmart reporting. Uh, you know, that it's getting a lot more big ticket items and apparently people trading down to their stores from from higher price stores, whereas Target saw a weaker uh, result. And Dollar Tree is an even sort of a further downgrade in terms of uh, the offering and the prices than you get at Walmart. So that, that'd be an interesting one as, as well for that uh, 
little subplot of what's going on in the U.S. economy, I, I would suspect. Uh, I'm not sure how to bring this up. There's no good segue, but I, I think it's just an interesting story that we need to track here in geopolitically. And that is this uh, story over the weekend about uh, there was a Bloomberg uh, article I tweeted out uh, about Europe trying to seek a middle path between the U.S. and China, not trying to be uh, sort of you know having to line itself fully between uh, to the one side or to the other. French President Macron even sort of specifically speaking on that uh, topic, saying we can't divide up the world into two blocks. And there was a Netherlands uh, trade minister out complaining about the uh, ASML and whether uh, ASML being the uh, the high-end uh, semiconductor uh, manufacturing equipment maker uh, has the latest and greatest in this uh, high high-resolution etching technology that they shouldn't be banned, that they shouldn't have to be affected by U.S. policy. Uh, of course, Netherlands is not going to go it alone on that that uh, policy front. It's just they have the crown jewel of these very high-tech uh, semiconductor-related equipment makers. Very interesting, I think, to follow this story uh, down the road, because I suspect Europe might be a little bit mistaken. Uh, if we are going into a more profound so-called Cold War, whether that's a trade Cold War or otherwise, I suspect Europe will have a very hard time in negotiating a middle path as well, if it is going to continue to remain cut off, uh, you know, self-imposed, but cut off for, for obvious reasons from Russian oil and gas and then reliant more, at least for some large percentage of it from U.S. LNG. So a story worth tracking in the weeks, yeah, weeks, months and quarters to come. OK, um, the macro calendar, very briefly, slide eight. There's almost nothing today. It's a Monday, but we have a couple of interesting data points and they're all piled up on Wednesday in the U.S.'s case because of that Thanksgiving holiday on Thursday and Generally, people off Wednesday and Friday as well, but certainly Thursday and Friday in the U.S. Uh, markets are actually closed on Thursday. Uh, we have a couple of central bank meetings. So that New Zealand, uh, being said, I alluded to also the Bank up uh, uh, the day after on Thursday. And uh, yeah, all the U.S. data points and the Eurozone November preliminary services and manufacturing PMI will be the big focus, focus in Europe this week. To what degree are these, uh, are we sort of still chugging along? Somewhat surprisingly high readings that we've kind of noted in previous months. It'll be an interesting week ahead, but I think it's really going to start picking up the week after after we get through this uh, Thanksgiving holiday week in the U.S. And we'll see where things stand tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. <laughs>